0: Woo! <laughs> Everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller. And today I have a very special guest. His name is Jamie Weeks. He is the owner of over 140 Orange Theory studios and a dozen sweat house and fraud in Fard sauna locations. So Jamie is such a powerhouse and such a well-known name in the industry. I feel like it's just a huge honor to have him on today. And I think he's just got such incredible insight. Basically, what I want to talk about with Jamie today is just when to bet on you. Because whether it's fear of failure or fear of success, sometimes we're just afraid to take a chance and go after what we really want. But I feel like Jamie, of all people out there, has got that blueprint. He's got it figured out. And if we just kind of have 30 minutes of a window into his world, I feel like he could make a big difference for all of us. And plus, I know that Jamie's passionate about sharing his story, and I think his insight and experience can help us really launch into 2023. So Jamie, I'm going to bring you in, have you introduce yourself, and uh, say hello.
1: Thanks for having me, Angie. It's really excited to be here. Um, and uh kind of feels like the first day of 2023, we're kind of back in the office and and kind of... Starting the new year fresh. And so, looking forward to starting it fresh with you here.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, if you don't mind me saying, Jamie just told us that he got back from the Bahamas. So, (laughs) we see the sun on your face, Jamie. You brought back a little bit for all of us. So, yeah, I know that
1: we haven't had it here in Atlanta. So, I had to go somewhere else to get it.
0: (laughs) Is that where you are? Is Atlanta? Okay. Yeah. yeah,
1: Yes. We're based in Atlanta. Honors is based in Atlanta, and Honors is um, Honors Holdings. Uh, we've got about 1,500 employees, 142 uh, Orange Theory Fitness studios across the U.S. in about 13 states, and so we're the largest franchisee um, in that business, and then um, I'm also the largest franchisee for Dogtopia, and I started uh, Sweathouse Infrared Sauna and, and Cold Punch Studios in 2019, and so we've got 12 of those, and um, and we've started selling licenses for franchising, and we've sold about 70 licenses in about six months, and so uh, you'll start seeing those pop up here pretty quickly. So we've we've got a lot going on.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, we'll have to talk. Maybe you can get me involved in a franchise. So um, what's Dogtopia?
1: So Dogtopia is um, uh, the largest dog daycare uh, system here in the U.S. We've got about 200 locations across the U.S. And so it's uh, it's a business that I I took on a private equity partner in the honors business in 2017 and and told them that I'm really want to stay in the franchising world and wanted to get into other spaces and the recovery space. I wanted to get in with Sweathouse. Um, and then the dogtopia space from a lifestyle standpoint, you know, the highest uh, percentage of dog ownership is right now. And it's one of those things I've got about 2000 employees. And I think the average age of our 2000 employees are right around 28, 29 years old. And uh, when I asked them, uh, how things are going over the last three or four years? first thing I hear about usually is their pet or their puppy or their dog. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, when you're 25 and you have a dog, you don't really wake up at 35 and say, well, I'm a cat person now. You're pretty much a dog person for life. I think we would all agree with that. And so um, that's a business that I, I've, I've been wanting to be in for a long time and a business I think I will be in for a long time.
0: Oh, that's super cool. Well, you know, we got a puppy during the pandemic, and so, and I've always been a quote cat person. Now I'm a dog and a cat person. In mm-hmm. fact, Bodie, my pup, is right outside the door. I think his ears are perking up right now. He's like, "Did I hear daycare? Where I can go play with other dogs?"
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> a dog's a dog's mental health. It's it's pretty. It's you know, I don't think there's anything in the world that wears their emotions on their face more than a dog's mental health when they're happy and when they're sad and. And, um, you know, watching dogs come into Dogtopia and how happy they are, it's it's just it's just hilarious. I wish people were that happy when they were walking into Orange Theory and Sweathouse and, and other businesses.
0: <laughs> so is there a Dogtopia in Charlotte? I'm going to have to look that up.
1: Yeah, there are. Um, uh, I don't own those, but I, but I know there are Dogtopias in Charlotte. Yes, ma'am.
0: Okay, very cool. All right, Jamie. So I want to deep dive into a few things because I know that you've pushed past a lot of kind of obstacles. I know that you're a... a a true believer in how to use fear as fuel. And obviously, you know how to thrive under pressure. So, you know, why don't you tell me first and foremost, I think a big thing for you is confidence and and building confidence to help people overcome doubt and manage life setbacks. So what's your key to confidence?
1: Well, I mean, I think that you find confidence in things you believe in. and, And I think when you have gratitude, and realize you know how either fortunate we are or where we've come from and where we're at today um, it's it's a lot easier to have confidence when when you've kind of been there and done that and so i've used a lot of my life's experiences um, over the last 10 years to implement and and push forward and, and really scale and so i haven't always had confidence um, in business but i'm a really fast decision maker and when you make really quick decisions you learn from mistakes just as fast. And and the faster I can learn from mistakes, the faster I can scale. And the more mistakes I make, the more positive I am that I can fix it going forward. And so you're looking at someone who's 47 and has made a lot of mistakes in my life, but that's given me confidence to move forward. Cause every time I've made a mistakes mistake, I've either fixed it, learned from it, solved it, figured it out. And at some point, um, you know, it's trial and error. And if you're not learning from those exp- from those experiences and learning from those mistakes to get more confidence going forward, then you're really doing yourself a disservice. And so it's it's just learning from the past of, of how to make mistakes.
0: Yeah, and I think I like that because I think really what I heard there is that when you, a lot of times people like me, we get stuck in trying to control all the variables, even though I teach clients not to control all the variables, that, you know, I get stuck in like trying to figure out, like if, if you think of a Venn diagram and in the middle is what I want. And then like my bubbles are all around what I want. And I'm like, what what about this? What about this? And I think what you're saying is, you know, just dig right into the middle of the Venn diagram, make a decision. And if any of these happen, You'll figure it out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you're right. I'm not as familiar with the Venn diagram as you are, but I will say this that um, 90% of the time, well, for a guy, 90% of the time, for a female, 99.9% of the time, your gut is right. And when you start relying on your first instinct in your gut, you're going to make mistakes, but you have to be okay making those mistakes and realize you're just going to learn from it and keep moving forward. And so, you know, I've, I've over the years working with a lot of, uh, former CEOs and and business professionals that have done more than I've ever dreamed of. Um, what they've told me is that one of the reasons for our success is because we just go so fast and when we make a mistake, we correct it and move on. When I do that, that gives me the confidence um, to keep going more and more and going faster and faster. So you just got to be OK with mistakes. I, I'm OK making a ton of mistakes. It's It's just part of it
0: well and i think part of making mistakes don't you think too is just ownership is is not pivoting or blaming or looking for causation but instead being like you know what my mistake i'm going to fix it that's where my personal power lies
1: yeah no doubt i mean you've got to be vulnerable enough i think vulnerability is probably one of the most important things that goes with confidence the more vulnerable i am the more confidence i have and so being vulnerable with mistakes and being vulnerable with Listen, at the end of the day, man, we're just human beings. We're all trying to we're all trying to have happiness. We're all trying to do the same thing. And, um, you know, we have a real mantra at LFC and it honors that every day we want to try to care more about other people than we care about ourselves. And when you have that mentality and you know you're going to make mistakes, you're kind of all on the same page. There's not a whole lot of pressure. There's not a whole lot of pressure to make mistakes you make a mistake, you fix it, you move on. The problem is, is when someone's moving slow and making mistakes and then not correcting the state mistake quickly. Like that's the, that's, that's really the key to scaling. Um, and the key to having confidence is knowing if I make a mistake, we're going to fix it and keep moving. And so I, I think, by the way, you can get, a, you can get confidence from a lot of different areas. And so that's for me, uh, my recipe for confidence for other people, it's completely different, but for me, that's, what's,
0: yeah well, and I think it's fascinating too, because you said you're a fast decision maker. and and I don't know sometimes when I think about that, I think there's the people who ruminate and overthink, and then there's the people who are like zip, zip zip. But I think there has to be kind of that fine line between being impulsive but being a good fast decision maker, right? Yeah. Does that does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty impulsive. Um, but I would say uh, if it's emotional, I'm going to take some time and think about it. Um, if it's non-emotional, I have no problem. Um, impulsive is another way of saying going with my gut, going with my first instinct, making that decision going forward. Um, I also do realize that on the days where I have to make a decision, if there's emotions involved, if I sleep on it for a night, I have a much clearer mind the next day of what I'm trying to accomplish. But again, that's taking a day to make a decision or 12 hours to make a decision, not 12 days. And that's a big difference.
0: Yeah. I call that the 24 hour rule. I do it a lot. If I'm, if I'm thinking about sending an email or like you said, making a big decision, just sleeping on it. Sleep does wonders for the brain and the mind and just kind of resetting. So, yeah. um, Jamie, I just want to reintroduce you. So this is strong mind, strong body. I'm Angie Miller, and I'm talking to the infamous Jamie weeks, and we're talking about when to bet on you. Um, cause Jamie has bet on himself over and over again, and it's really turned down in his favor and in all of our favors because of all the Orange Theory studios that are out there, thanks to him. So, you know, I like your idea about confidence, just the doing builds confidence and then correcting your mistakes and owning them and being like, it's fine. I made a mistake. Now I'm going to fix it. And now I'm going to try this way and this way and this way. But um, you also talk about like misconceptions about risk. And uh, you say that a lot of people have a misconception about taking a risk. I'm curious to know what you mean by that. What do you think? Yeah, well, like- I, don't,
1: I don't know. I don't. I don't know the context of misconception. I'm sure I did say that. I'd say a lot of things. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me let me talk about what I when I um, making a bet in yourself and taking risk. It is truly life is truly risk reward, and whether it's telling the love of your life that you love them and you want to be with them forever, if it's a risk, right? It's an emotional risk, or if it's taking money from savings and making a bet on yourself to go start a business and do those things. Life is about risk reward and there's a lot of people out there who want the reward, but aren't willing to take the risk. And I think that's, I think the misconception there is that um, a lot of us, a lot of times people think it should just be handed to them and, and it's, it just doesn't work that way. Um, you know, I just, I'm a big fan of taking calculated risk and betting on myself on things that I can control. I, I'll, I use this example, I'm an investor and I invest in a lot of different businesses and a lot of different things, Um, but I don't invest in the stock market. I own bonds, but it's rarely that I would ever invest in the stock market because I have no control there. And that's a really big risk where I have very little control. And so the way that I look and calculate risk is how much control do I have over the reward that I would get versus – How much risk am I taking versus lack of control I have versus the reward? And so when you think about things of risk and control, how much control you have to control that risk or control the reward, I want to make more bets like that where I have more control. I hope that makes sense.
0: Actually, it really does. I was thinking about that because you're right. In the stock market, you don't have control. But when you invest in a business, you're investing in yourself, you're investing in your gut, your intuition, your experience. And so what you're saying is, even if it doesn't go that way, I still have an element of control because I can reset. I can go the other way. I can change directions, but ultimately you're in control.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, when it comes to investing, I have control over my asset allocation and I can reduce risk that way, but I don't have control over what the market does. And, you know, I think it was John Maynard Keynes that said markets will remain irrational a lot longer than I can remain solvent. Well, that's a perfect example right there of not having control and remaining solvent. And so, yeah, uh, taking, taking control, having control of the risk you take, I think is a faster path to reward.
0: Yeah. But you know, this might sound like a weird question, but, Define control because like you're in control of your decisions. You're in control. You're not in control of outcomes, but you're in control of how you pivot if the outcome doesn't go the way you want. But is is there anything um, else you I, would I, say? I,
1: yeah, but I am in control of the effort that I put in to get that outcome. And so if I own my own business, I mean, as an example, at, at honors, right? I mean, I I started with just three Orange Theories. I started, I opened one in in, in 2015 and I have 140 today. And so for that eight year period, it was risk on, risk on, risk on, risk on. And the more risk I took, the more hours I worked and the more, the more time and effort I put into it to control that outcome. But it's one thing to just bet on yourself and then not have any control of, of the effort you're putting into it to control that outcome. That's a big deal. And so the bigger the risk, I mean, when I, when I made the investment in Orange Theory, it was a, it was a, um, a calculated risk that I really thought through and knew that I was going to, have to put some time and effort into it to have the outcome that I wanted. And so I think that's what I mean by controlling the risk and controlling the outcome as well.
0: Yeah, and I also it goes back to what you said about confidence is you started with four and then that built your confidence and now you're at over 100, you know, 40 yeah. in what, you know, 8 years later. And so you built your confidence Gradually, it's kind of like goal setting. You didn't just deep dive into the big pool. You were like, okay, I'm going to do this a little bit at a time. But I also like what you said about kind of the risk versus reward because you're right. I mean, a lot of people want reward, but they say, well, I'm risk adverse or they don't want to take a chance on themselves. And at the end of the day, most of the things that come with really big rewards do involve risk. It's just that simple. I I don't know if
1: you could show me something that has a really big reward that has no risks. Yeah. Outside of inheriting something. I, I, I just don't see it that way. And that's not the way I grew up. And so and so I, 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 I do believe that uh, risk reward, calculated risk reward, we tend to talk about risk reward most of the time just about investing. It's rarely that we talk about risk reward when betting on yourself. And I think that is really an attribute that we need to talk more about. And, and it's something that I talk to my team about a lot. I, you know, I've had a lot of former employees that have left and gone and done their own thing. And I fully support them. I want, If you have an entrepreneur mind and you want to be an entrepreneur, I want to support you in being an entrepreneur. But before you go do that, I want you to understand risk-reward. Because if you understand risk-reward, you're going to understand a p a lot differently. You're going to understand how to spend marketing dollars a lot differently. You're going to understand when to go into a certain real estate market versus not going to a real estate market much differently. Risk-reward is the real basis to success when it comes to business and building scale.
0: Mm. So I like that you support your employees and that that doesn't appear to be a threat to you. If anything, it feels like you are inspiring them to go do their own thing. And as long as like you said, you feel like they have their feet on the ground and they've learned from you, then then they're ready and you fully support them going on and doing something for themselves. So um, I think that's that's pretty cool. You know, the other thing yeah, is like
1: let me just, let me just say something there really quick about can because I think it would help uh, understand it even better. Sure. Is I explain to the team all the time. I didn't I didn't I didn't start taking risk on and betting on myself until I was 39 or 40 years old. Like if I had tried to own a business before age 30, that would have been a fail of epic proportions because I hadn't gained the experience of how to be a business owner and how to really deal with people and understand people. Um and so I, there are so many 25 and 26 year olds that want to be business owners. And I tell them all the time, I'm like, man, I, I, I get it. I, I felt the same way when I was 25 and 26, but the reality is this, man, it took 15, 20 years of work experience for me to understand how to be an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, I love that because that makes so much sense to me. So what did you do, by the way, I'm curious before the orange theories came up, what was your background?
1: I worked in finance, and so I worked for uh, the the bank UBS uh, on their global asset management team for years. I worked at Morgan Stanley as the family wealth director, and so I worked in finance. My degree was in finance. Great job, great career, loved it. Uh, my wife and our two kids owe just about everything to to UBS and and the twelve years I spent there, and to Morgan Stanley as well. Um, and I learned um, I, I learned risk reward there from an investing standpoint, obviously, but when you start applying risk reward and being an entrepreneur to making a bet on yourself um it makes a lot more sense and it's it's more applicable if that makes sense like um saying i have this much in savings therefore i'm willing to risk this to go start my own business to do this i mean that's exactly what i did um uh, it was no different than anyone else would start a business
0: yeah Yeah, just weighing the odds and kind of looking at maybe the consequences, but also just, again, going back to kind of building that confidence. You had a really good platform, though, like your background, obviously, in finance, super, super, super strong. So um, that really gave you a lens that a lot of us don't have.
1: Does a finance background really help me when I'm trying to sell memberships at Orange Theory? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Probably not. I would yeah. say emotional intelligence.
1: Finance background helped me when I'm trying to get people to sign up for a transformation challenge January 16th and we're cleaning the throw up off the floor. So so,
0: so what does help you? Is it emotional intelligence? What helps you there?
1: You know, I think at the time I was 39 years old and um, I was at a really great age. Let, listen, let's let's be very clear. of my success is because of Orange Theory. It's 1% because of Jamie Weeks. I mean, Orange Theory is amazing. And what Dave Long and Ellen and that team built and that process they built is unbelievable. It's amazing. And um, listen, there's a reason there's 1,300 locations. There's a reason it's one of the fastest growing franchises in history. Um, It's amazing. And uh, I'm really good at taking something like that and, um, and scaling it really quickly. And that's what we did. But at 39 or 40 years old, I was a perfect age to relate to a 22 to 28 year old and understand technology and the technological changes that were happening during that that time. I mean, when we were opening Orange Theories in 2014, 2015, Facebook and Instagram, I mean, Instagram wasn't around yet, but Facebook was just getting started. And so the whole social media thing was a big deal. Had I been 60, it would have been tough for me to understand that. But at 39, I was young enough to understand it. And use that to our advantage and hire people and hire great people. I mean, my first five hires are still with me today. Um, They're still working. The 2,000 employees I have, my first studio employees, most of those people are still with us. Maybe not most. Like four. Four of those employees are still with us. That's a big deal. I mean, that's massive to think about going through a global pandemic, going through a recession, all the changes in fitness, all the changes in social media. And so there are a lot of things that we had to adapt and move fast with. But I'll tell you, um, it, it is more about Orange Theory than it is anything, which is interesting because Sweat House is my idea and I founded it and came up with it. And so I'm hoping one day there'll be a franchisee that says that about me
0: yeah well you you're good at taking like you said a working concept and making it even bigger and more powerful So maybe you say it is only you know 1% Jamie weeks but obviously I'd venture to say it's a little bit more sure it's a working model but look what you did with it so um, so Jamie, I'm curious, a lot of people when they're under pressure and it gets heavy and it gets thick and it starts to, it feels like they're walking in, in, you know, quicksand and they start getting fear-based and they start wanting to bolt. I want to get out of the, I want to get out of the sandbox now because I'm super uncomfortable and I'm afraid I'm going to sink. What do you tell them?
1: They don't have a lot of those people work with me. (laughs) I mean, it's (laughs) it's hard to. I, 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 uh, man, I thrive in that stuff. And so, um, it's, 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 it's hard for me. Well, let me, let me say it differently. That's a really good question. And that's actually a question I don't know I've ever been asked. Um, cause it is hard for me to relate to. I love chaos. I love chaos. I love having a lot going on. I mean, think about it. I've got, you know, Orange Theory, we've got Sweathouse, I've got Dogtopia. Um, and I've got probably 15 other things that I'm involved in between, God knows what else. Right. And so sometimes I just I try to have so much going on that I can't think about the pressure. But I also think that the pressure we put on ourselves versus the pressure that's put on us are two different things. I had a conversation with an employee earlier today that was telling me a lot about the pressures that she's feeling at work. And we talked for an hour. And at the end of it, we realized it wasn't really the pressures at work for her. It was really that she was unhappy at home and it was creating her to be unhappy at work. And so I said, Hey, listen, I get it. I mean, this is you're a young kid. We're going to go through these things and, and I'm here to help you and talk to you about this stuff. But a lot of times perceived pressure is a lot different than actual pressure. And I'm someone that I I live for making lists. I love to wake up and make my list, and I've got more lists than I know what to look at and do. But a lot of times, there's a therapeutic piece there to writing out those things of what I can control, what I can't control. And when you write down the list of things that you feel like are pressure, put across and mark off the things that are things you can't control. And then look at that list of pressure and tell me it's a lot less than what you started with.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I'm a list maker too. Jamie, I want to reintroduce you real quick. So this is Strong Mind, Strong Body, and I'm Angie Miller, and I'm talking to Jamie Weeks. He is, we are talking about just basically how to succeed. And uh, Jamie is a master of success with all the Orange Theory Studios
1: What's That's that? Way, I'm not a master of success. Goodness gracious. No, I mean, we've been very fortunate. You're saying very nice things, Angie, very like way too nice. Like, nicest things anyone's ever said about me. Definitely not a master of success. Um, but but thank you so much for saying that.
0: Well, you know, I think that it's interesting when I heard you say you love chaos because it's taken me some decades Let's just say to own, acknowledge that I do kind of like chaos. And yeah. I consider it calm chaos. And my chaos, I can't, I don't think can even match your chaos. But at the end of the day, I like having a lot going on. I like to I used to teach college students stress management. And I talked about playing with a full deck, like all 52 cards in your deck. And mm-hmm. all the cards should represent something different and unique and strengths that you can build upon. And I, I consider that somewhat like just always putting yourself out there doing lots of different things that bring about a different side of who you are and being able to toggle all those things is, is pretty empowering. So.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's funny, right? I mean, chaos at work. And then my wife and I've been married 20 years and we have two teenage daughters. And so it's like, I go home and have very little chaos and it's amazing. And so, um, yeah, but, 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 but organized chaos, right? I mean, I think that's a That's a that's a big one. I love a good organized chaos. I don't love meetings. And so it's a lot of uh, 10, 15, 20 minute sit downs with groups of 10 people. And I I really am of the belief that if you don't think you should meet that meeting, you need to get out of there. And if you have a ton to add to that meeting, you need to raise your hand and start talking immediately and start just giving us the stuff. And so big on communication. Uh, Communication tends to alleviate a lot of pressures, right? Uh, Communication tends for the chaos to come down a level as well. And so uh, yeah, I love a good organized chaos, but if it's not accompanied with communication, then we got a real problem.
0: Hmm. I'm glad you said that because you know um, I did a monologue on how to live your best life and one of the things that i talked about was communication because healthy relationships are at the core of who we are as human beings and if we're not communicating we don't practice good emotional intelligence we're probably not going to be super happy so jamie one of the things that you talk about is just you know fear is kind of your fuel and um you know it's, it's similar to being in the sandbox but Fear is your fuel. And so were you always like that as a kid or is that just something you learn to lean into through your background in finance and your franchise opportunities?
1: Yeah, I've I've uh, uh, I've always been pretty confident and you tend when you're confident, you tend to not have a whole lot of fear. And I see it in one of my kids who has no fear, whatever, whatsoever. And it freaks me out. Um, I mean, she's just a she's an absolute pitbull. And my other one is Scared to Death 24-7, which I, I love that even more. I think it's hilarious. And they'll both find a balance as, as you do as you go through your teenage years, right? And so, um, listen, i, I uh, that's a hard question to answer, Angie. Uh, it's rare that I am scared um, or, or that I tread lightly. Um, I just, I try to move forward in all things. And I try to find that silver lining in all things as well. I would tell you that I work with a private equity firm, Prospect Hill, and these guys have been amazing and they've been great partners. And one of the main partners there, a guy named Jeff teske and he and I, um, uh, I tend to be uh, glass half full. He tends to be glass half empty. I tend to have no fear. He tends to have a little fear. And it's what's made us great partners over the last five years together. And there are times where I probably should be a little bit more fearful and I'm not there are times where I wish he had no fear um, and just went fast. And he, I think he agrees that he probably has to be that way. And so I don't want anyone to think that that the Jamie Weeks no fear way is the way to do it. it it's what works for me. And um, it's, it's, you know, what drives me. You, you're right that, 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 that fear is fuel. But I kind of look at fear as another thing to accomplish. Like, I had a real fear of becoming a franchisor. I'd never been a franchisor before and didn't think I was detailed enough or organized enough to be a franchisor. But then started realizing that I've worked with two of the greatest franchisors there are with Orange Theory and Dogtopia. And I really knew what it took to be a franchisor, but were there things that I wanted to do differently? And so when I thought about the things that I wanted to do differently as a franchisor, that's really the fuel um, that that powered me forward to become a franchisor. And so you're right, that my fear is fuel, but I just kind of view it as an angle for me to do something differently and and, and have success in a different way.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty powerful. I have to tell you from a personal standpoint, fear is my, uh, fear is my driver just cause I refuse to let fear win. <laughs> so, yeah. so most things in life that I fear the most are the things I want to try the most. Cause I absolutely refuse to let fear win. I, I always think is that stubbornness or hmm not sure, right. but, um, is there anything else, Jamie, that you would say that kind of fuels people's success that, you know, gives people an idea of when it's time to bet on themselves, which I would imagine you would say all the time. But any kind of parting thoughts?
1: Well, I think you need to realize pretty quickly what you're good at and what you're not good at. And um, for me, uh, you know, it's one thing to, to work in the finance industry. It's a whole other thing to be a CFO. Those are two completely different things. And so with a finance background doesn't mean I have any wherewithal to be a CFO. And so I realized pretty early on in my career of being an entrepreneur that I needed really smart financial people around me so that I could be um, the marketing guy, the sales guy, the big vision guy, the face of it, um, and not be worried about a p or be stuck in Excel for hours and hours. And so when you start uh, being vulnerable and realizing, hey, there's like 10 things I'm not good at that I need to hire people to be better than me at, Um, that's when you'll really have success because if you think that you're the best at everything, you're just, you're not. And, uh, I can't think of one thing I'm the best at because I've got a team around me that each, each part of what we're doing, they're better than me. And I'm just kind of the quarterback that puts it together.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, you're managing all the place, but you've got good team players. So, you know, the thing is that you've mentioned vulnerability twice. And I love that because it's not often that I hear a man get on and talk about vulnerability. And I do think you have to be vulnerability, vulnerable because you have to know where your strengths are, but you also have to know where your limitations are. And, and it, pretty much anybody you talk to who's been successful in business says they fill in the gaps with people who are better than them. <laughs> so yeah. In, yeah. in certain aspects. So, um, yeah, well, Jamie, things, I really
1: gaps are really wide for me. Massive, massive gaps, huge gaps to fill. So yeah, it's, it's building the team around you of all the things I don't do well. That's exactly right.
0: Yeah. Well, Jamie, I really can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, I know that everybody's going to get a lot out of this. Hopefully we'll have you back on again, but you know, wishing you even more success in 2023. And thanks to all of you for joining us on strong mind, strong body. Thanks again.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much.